we're going to go back into Second uh, Peter and continue looking at just Peter encouraging these believers that there is something that they need to do now that they know the Lord Jesus Christ, now that they've been saved, that there is a part that they have to play, not for their salvation, but if they are going to grow in their faith. And it's probably something that we all struggle with when it comes to maintaining uh, a personal walk with God. In other words, learning of God, getting into the word for yourself. You can come listen to me, Pastor Emmanuel, preach, and if that's the only time you're in the word of God, it will not be sufficient. It's like eating one meal a week. It's not going to work. It's just not the way God designed it. And so I think I mentioned the last time by way of an example, there are issues in all of our lives. We live in a sin-cursed world. I'm going to be affected by my own sin, right, stuff that I willfully do wrong. I'm going to be affected. I'm going to be affected by the sins of other people, right? Guy blows through the light, hits you in the car, right? It's like, right? But what will exasperate that, make that even more difficult for the Christian is when I am not in the word of God. I'm not on my face praying. Not literally. You don't have to. Somebody came up to me, not here, years ago, and I said that. Excuse me. Why do you keep saying if we're not on our face praying? You mean God doesn't hear me if I'm just standing up praying? It doesn't mean literally you have to be on your face. You can if you want. (laughs) But having a disciplined prayer life, it will exasperate the other things that, that you're going through. I'm going to default to living life based on how I feel if I'm not renewing my mind in Scripture. It's that simple. So I went to, um, you know, you go to these doctor's appointments, you know, these yearly doctor appointments, you know. So it's like, all right, I'm going to stop blowing it off. I'm going to go. So I went. So all the numbers came back great, except one. <laughs> all right, here we go. So my doctor says this to me. He says, Mr. Jones, we can do two things. I can give you a script for high cholesterol meds. Or, I said, yeah, let's go to or because that ain't happening. You know, I'm stubborn like that, right? He said, or I can give you a script to see a dietitian." Really? I said, I'll take the second one. So you go to the dietitian, And what do the dietitians do? They tell you everything you don't want to hear. Why don't you want to hear? Because you already, you already know it. He told me nothing that I did not know. No fried foods. Cut down on the pizza, cut down on the whole Jesus. All this, like, so pretty much eat cardboard and you'll be okay. Right? And, and, and I use that as an analogy with our spiritual lives. Right? We know that this is the word of life. We believe that this will change our thinking, change our behavior, ultimately change our lives. Right? But oftentimes it sits close. I know that if I buy, bypass the donut, that will help contribute to lowering the cholesterol. I know that. I know what's in those donuts. I used to make them. Right? 20, 23 grams of saturated fat. That's horrible. Right? But they taste so good. And then we, we justify. Just one. 
Just one won't hurt. After all, the Bible says, receive everything with thanksgiving. Then we start trying to justify it with scripture, right? It's so easy. We know what to do. And oftentimes our, 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 our physical struggles, we're exasperated, right? And so when it comes to our spiritual lives, the, the same thing is true. The same thing is true. If I'm not intentionally renewing my mind in the word, if I'm not intentionally taking advantage of the fact that the Holy Spirit now resides in me and will give me the power to walk life in a way that is good for me, doesn't mean that I'm not going to suffer, right? But if I'm not taking advantage of it, if I'm not using the means that God has set up, then it's not going to happen in our life. It's just not going to happen. You can go with your truth or you can go with the truth of God's word. And saying I believe the truth of God's word but never living it out, then I don't believe it. Let's just be real. This is what the point of James was. You say you have faith, but your life shows no evidence of it? Well, I question whether you have faith. I'll tell you I have faith, not by saying I have faith, by showing you the way I live. See the difference? Guys, there is a spiritual growing that has to happen in all of our lives. But here's the thing. I can't do your growing for you. You can't do yours. I wish it was that way. Wouldn't it be awesome when it comes to, like, like, like you can eat all the veggies for me and I get the benefit? Right? That would be awesome, right? doesn't work that way. So Peter here, we saw last week, he, he reminds these believers of who you are in Christ. But what we're going to see now is he's going to now talk about what you need to do. You have to go beyond, I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. you got to go beyond that, right? Not to add to your salvation, like to gain his approval. That is done in Christ. You have it. Not because of you, but because of Christ. But now you got to walk in that faith. And part of it is coming together like this and worshiping and hearing a message preached and singing and encouraging. That's part of it. But that ain't the whole enchilada. What are you doing Monday through Saturday to cultivate your understanding of God and who God is? Right? This is what Peter's going to challenge us on. So let's pray and then let's jump in. Father, thank you again for your word. I pray, God, that you would open up our eyes. Help us to understand your word, God, as you have intended it to be understood. So, Father, again, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your truth, God, that guides us, that clears away the foggy thinking, that gives us a clear perspective. Father, we bless your name, and we thank you for your word. In Christ's name, amen. Let's start again at verse 1, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. How? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that. You are righteous, not because of your righteousness, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And notice when he says, we talked about, you know, of equal standing. It's not like, well, pastors have this type of thing. And then I'm down here and I have this. No. Equal. In the historical context, what's going on here, he's talking mainly to Gentile believers. And if you know anything about the Jews and Gentiles, the Jews were God's chosen people. The Gentiles, pagans. 
Matter of fact, if you want to be like God, convert to Judaism and you can be like God. Think about that mindset. And now Peter comes along and says, you have faith of equal standing. Imagine what the Jewish brother in the church might have put in his face. What, you mean he's just, you mean as good as I? Yes, but it's not about you. It's about what? Jesus Christ. So Jew and Gentile now have the same faith of equal standing through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Typically in a letter like this, they would say something like greetings. But here he says, no, no, may grace and peace be multiplied. Stop and think about this for a minute. Ask yourself this question. Are you guys experiencing grace and peace this past week in your life? Think about it. And again, we're not saying that nothing's going to go wrong. We're not saying that you're not going to have sleepless nights. We're human. That's going to happen. But there should be some type of grace and peace that you tangibly experience as God's child this week. Ought to be there in some way. And notice he says, may it be multiplied to you, constantly increasing. Now, if you haven't experienced it, be honest. We all got to be honest with ourselves, right? There's a means for getting that or experiencing that grace and peace. Look what he says. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There is a direct connection with my peace and my knowledge of God. There is a direct connection with how I navigate through this world how I deal with the heartaches, the problems, direct connection with whether I'm going to do that in a sense of peace, clear-headedness, and my knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you see the connection he's making, guys? I, I, you know, I tell the young people at the high school all the time, this is not about legalism. This is not about, don't forget to read your Bible. Don't forget to read your Bible, right? You can fall into that, right? We're always saying, oh, yeah, I got to read my Bible. Let me read my Bible today. Okay, believer, do not believe every spirit because spirits by spirits see whether they're from God. Cool. I get it today. I get to fill the little box out in the back of the Bible that says read the Bible through in a year, right? You, you, ever, I, you know how many times I've done that? And then I just start skipping boxes, right? And, and, and something about seeing those boxes fill up. We feel good. Wow. I, read, I, I, I remember an old Navy chaplain. I don't even know if he's still alive. He was 85 at the time I met with him 10 years ago. 85 years of age. Navy chaplain in my office with his wife. Married 59 years. In my office for marriage counseling. You know, you always have those things, Pastor Emmanuel, where you say those highlights of the ministry where you're like, I will never forget that. That was one I will never forget. In my office for marriage counseling. Long story short, he ended up divorcing his wife. Navy chaplain. And I remember one of the things he said to me as I was exhorting him. And I was trying to break down what it meant to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I will never forget. He looked at me. He said, son, I've read that Bible over multiple times before you were born. And he said it not as nicely as I said it. To which point I got up out of my seat. 
And I walked over to him, and I said, first, I'd like to say two things. First, and I shook his hand, I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for your service, sir. My dad was a veteran, You're, I, I want, and, and that kind of diffused him. He was still red in his face. But I went back, and I said, do you know who else knew the scriptures better than the average person? The Pharisees. But they didn't live them out. And then it went downhill from there. <laughs> My point is this. It's not about just reading for the sake of reading. Anybody can do that. Guys, are we actually in the word of God, studying the word of God, asking God, God, convict me. Show me where I'm not like Jesus Christ. That takes time. It just takes time. I, I, I can't do this like two-minute devotional in the word of God and think that my life is going to change. It won't change. And what's going to be the effect? I'm not going to experience the grace and peace. So we've got to be honest with ourselves. I got to be honest with myself. When I walked out of the dietitian's office, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm being a little critical, uh, you know, because she gave me all this information. I'm like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I think I emailed, didn't I text you, Monique? Monique said, how, how did it go? I, so I forget what I said. Something like, more vegetables, know this, know this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there in a the car and it's like, Holy Spirit's like, look at you. Who are you mad at? You put the donut in your mouth. You put the pizza in your mouth. Now you don't like the side effects, and now you want to say, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that like us? We don't like the fallout of our bad choices. And then we want to look and blame somebody. And, and the Lord used that to convict me. Right? I'm like, wow. He's like, you have to do your part. And so I'm trying to do my part. So I only ate one donut the other night. <laughs> I can't just stop cold turkey. And my boys keep bringing donuts home. So I blame them. See, see what I just did? They work at a donut shop. They bake the donuts, and they bring them home. See? Isn't that what we do? We blame others. The wife you gave me, Lord. No, it was the serpent, Lord. That's our sin nature, guys. We got to be honest with ourselves and take ownership with where am I in my walk with Jesus Christ and how much of this am I bringing on myself? And it's hard. It's hard. But notice what he says as we keep going. Look at verse 3. This is all review from last week. All right, let's see. We got to move. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice this, this phrase again through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What is he saying? In a nutshell, what is he saying? I now, you now, have the ability to walk as Christ desires because of what Christ did on the cross and the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you. You can now partake of that divine nature. You can now walk as Christ desires for you to walk. Even with the struggle in your flesh, 
with temptation, with sin. You now have the ability. Why? Because of the righteousness of Christ and his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Do you believe that? Are you experiencing that in your day-to-day life? If you're not, could it be that you're not doing what he's about to say? Building on that initial faith that you have in Jesus. You have to cultivate it. I can get my cholesterol down with diet. I'm convinced of it. But I got to choose. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And then she told me one cup of coffee a day. What? What planet is she living on? Because I told her, I know y'all like, wait a minute, I thought, wait, we just jumped out of the message, bro. But this is relevant, right? (laughs) She said to me, how do you sleep? I said, how do I sleep, family? How do I sleep? Everybody shaking their head. Yeah, I don't sleep at all. It's horrible. I'm a light sleeper. Air conditioner comes on, heater comes on, I'm I'm up, I'm up. Two, three, four times a night. So by the time you get up, you don't feel rested, right? I said, well, I've always been that way. She looked at me and she said, how much coffee do you drink? I said, well, well, coffee doesn't affect me. Coffee doesn't keep me up. And she went like this. You just said you don't sleep. I never put those two things together. So if there was something beneficial from that meeting, I was like, right, how many many times have I said I've always been a light sleeper, but I've always been a coffee drinker? Hello, right? So she said one cup. One cup in the morning, that's it. We'll see if she sleeps that night. Do you know since I had that appointment, which was what, Thursday or Friday, I've been trying to do one cup, and I actually am sleeping better. It actually works. The promises of God. Look what he says in here. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Just promises in God's word of peace, of wisdom. In the midst of the storm. I'm not experiencing that. Well, are you partaking of it? The way he says you need to partake of it. Renewing your knowledge. Time in the word. Time in prayer. It's not going to happen apart from that. And so he goes on and look at what he says. That you can become, that you may become partakers of this divine nature, right? We've escaped the corruption. We've been saved. From our sin, the corruption in the world. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, man. God says, look, because of Jesus Christ, I've saved you from that corruption. You are now a new person. I've given a new spirit to you, my spirit. You now have the ability, watch this, to resist what's out here and walk in a way that's honoring to God. Not in your own strength, but in the strength of Jesus Now, notice what he says. Look at verse 5. We stopped at 4. Let's start at verse 5 now. Here we go. For this very reason. Okay, for what very reason? Everything he just said. Make every effort. There's your part. Make every effort to supplement your faith. There it comes. In other words, Be diligent. You understand the righteousness of Christ. You understand who God is and what God has done for you through Christ. Yep, I got all that. Got all that. I'm his child. It doesn't just stop there. 
You want to now grow in this knowledge? You want to actually start to experience the grace and peace, the wisdom of God in the midst of heartache? Make every effort to supplement. Wow. Add to this faith that you have that's wrapped up in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have to now add to that. Not for salvation. Remember, that's secure in Christ. But that I might experience the reality of living out this faith. That's what we miss. What do we do with vitamins? I'm on like this dietary appointment now. I can't get that out of my head. What do we do with vitamins? Vitamins are what? A dietary supplement. Here's the thing. And I said to her, and I felt, I, I, I felt a little, you know, a little, um, I don't know what the word is, prideful. Because she was like, do you take vitamins? I said, I'm glad you asked. Yes, I do. Centrum, one a day. Good. <laughs> and I add to that my own vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams. Oh, and I'm not done. I take a probiotic. I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good sitting there. She looked at me. She's writing down. She said, that's nice. So tell me about your diet. Can't we just stick with the vitamins? <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, the vitamins are a supplement to the balanced diet you're supposed to be eating. It don't work. Eat donuts and fried food, but take supplements. Don't work that way. Get it? It's supposed to supplement what is already in place. Your salvation is already in place through Christ. Beautiful. But there's more now. If I'm going to walk and live in this life, I have to supplement with prayer, time in the word. You see how it works, guys? It's not complicated. It's not complicated, but it's so hard to do because Satan knows. I can't take a believer's salvation. What I can do is paralyze your faith so you're ineffective. So that when the trials come in your life, you sink. So that when the temptations come, you give in. I can't take your salvation, but I can do everything that you don't walk as a Christian ought to walk. And that's why it's hard, guys. Notice what he says. Make every effort, verse 5, to supplement your faith. Now he gives us these eight characteristics. Supplement your faith with virtue or moral living, that which is Supplement your faith. Don't just say you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk in the way that he says in his word. Moral virtue. Virtue with knowledge. And again, notice how this word knowledge keeps coming up. Not knowledge, just knowledge about cars, knowledge about cooking, knowledge about computers, knowledge about guns, whatever, right? We have all this knowledge about all of this stuff. And it's funny how we make time for that. It's funny how if I want to make a new recipe, man, I'll research it. I'm going to see what Emerald Lagasse says. I'm going to see what, what uh, what's that girl's name? <laughs> Paul Dean? What was her name? Pa Paula Dean, remember her? Southern cooking. I'm going to see what her recipe is. Oh, she uses that for her barbecue sauce. Oh, Lagasse does that. What if I did a combination? Mm. I'll spend more time in a recipe sometimes than time in the Word of God. You think that barbecue recipe is going to help me in a time of temptation? You, do you think that's going to help me to live 
as Cheryl was talking about, against my feelings and living in a way God wants me to. Now listen, I'm not saying that's not, it's a bad thing to look up recipes. Please hear what I'm saying. The same way we gain knowledge in these things that interest us and we're diligent in it, we have to be that way when it comes to God. God is not just going to pour into your mind understanding about him without you being in the word. It doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes we're trying to find all these other ways for it to work. Right? Notice what he says. You make every effort. That word, effort, means diligence. Be passionate about it. Guys, be honest with yourself. This week, where was your passion? What was it for you this week? And the things you did, what were you, like, really passionate about? Was it, man, I can't wait to get home and get my devotion. I can't wait to be alone with you guys and just pray and just listen. Or was it all these other things that grab our time? And it's hard, right? It's hard. Because all these other things are grabbing your time. When I walk in the office in the morning, I don't even get in the office sometimes. Before, Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron. I'm still got my jacket on. I'm just walking in the school office. Here's the three secretaries. My office is about back where that door is. Soon as I step in, hey, good morning. How was your week? Oh, good. Pastor Ron, so and so went to the car. Oh, Pastor, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pastor Ron, yeah? Uh, right? That's our life, right? Everybody wants something. Then you get home, and you got a family that you're responsible for. Then you got a wife to boot. And she's like, hello, remember me? I'm like, ah. Oh. Right? And you're tired, and you're draining, and you're mentally, like, spent. Right? And what's the temptation in that moment? I want comfort. I want me time. Now, do you deserve me time? Nothing wrong, right? The Bible says, let a man work with all the vigor within him. But there's a time to rest. But when me time turns into one, two, three hours of watching kids now you're really tired. It's like, are you ready to work? Um, Lord, you know I love you. And we go to bed. That is not sufficient to grow in the knowledge of Christ. That is not sufficient to ward off the temptation. That is not sufficient to live and experience God's grace and peace. Guys, it's not complicated. It's difficult to do, but it's not. Notice what he says. It's not just about moral living and knowledge, but knowledge with self-control. Struggle with self-control in areas of your life? You struggle with obsession in areas of your life? Could it be that you're not doing what Peter said? Guys, there's a one-to-one correlation here. This knowledge of Christ, this spending time and understanding who God is, affects my moral Self-control. And with self-control, add, add what? These are all things that, that, that I ought to be cultivating in my life as a believer. Not only self-control, but notice what he says. Self-control with steadfastness. Or endurance is the opposite of steadfastness. Endurance. 
You ever have a week that when Friday comes, you feel like you've been chewed and spit out? Anybody ever have a week like that? Am I the only one to have a week like that? <laughs> you're just like, you're done. Right? You ever have a week where it felt like the week just tossed you every which way? Like being in a dryer. Just wherever the dryer went, that's where you were. There was no sense of steadiness, endurance, bearing up under the pressure, using wisdom to deal with problems as they come up, not responding in my flesh, but stopping, thinking about it, seeking your face, God, executing what God wants. You ever had those kind of weeks? I believe we all can have those kind of weeks. And notice, it doesn't mean that you're not in the dryer. That's the world, baby. It's going to happen. But you can be in that crazy dryer spinning around and yet walking in clarity of thought because you've been resting in the word. <laughs> you've been talking to God throughout the week. Life is not complicated, but it's hard. It's hard because herein Satan knows the believer that gets serious about doing these disciplines will say he's like, come on. He would much rather have me sit down and veg for three hours than spend five minutes in prayer. And it's a lot easier to veg than to open up the word of God. Notice what he says. So this self-control with steadfastness or endurance and steadfastness with godliness. There it is again. Remember, he said earlier that God has given you his divine power has granted everything, back in verse 3, that pertain to life and godliness. Not only do I have eternal life, but there's a way a man ought to live. Oh, I've given you the power to do that too, Ron. Really, Lord? Yes. But there's a way you will experience that power, through my word, through prayer. <laughs> you can't escape it. Notice what he says in verse 7, and godliness with brotherly affection. Think about that. How is your love for the fellow saints of God? Isn't it interesting he puts that in here? Up until this point, everything is kind of dealing with us. Endurance, steadfastness, self-control. And now he says, part of adding to your faith Part of living out your Christian faith is your love for one another. Ooh. How are we doing in that department, Hope? Now I got an excuse. I'm just getting to know y'all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How, how's Emmanuel been doing in that department? <laughs> he's, he's been this, one of this ship for the last 10 years. <laughs> I'd be like, whoo, do you right under the bus. <laughs> As I get to know you, I'm going to love you, right? No. But, but, but seriously, it, it's interesting. Again, notice this is all under the category of adding to your faith. Do you understand that your encouragement and understanding God more and, and, and walking in a manner that, man, it's just like it pleases God. Do you know it's directly tied to what? How we love one another. Did you see that? That's huge. What is God saying? You and I need one another. We need the body of Christ. Well, you know, my, 
my walk with God is like a private thing. I don't discuss that. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. You just unbiblical, but that's cool. Show me that in scripture. Show me that in scripture where the believer's life and his walk with Christ is strictly a private thing. Show me that in scripture. You won't find it in scripture. God said, all of you are what? One. We are one body. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. You are all one in Christ. As a matter of fact, that mentality of this individualism, oh, I got this, I'm not going to let anybody in, that's totally unbiblical. You will not find that anywhere in Scripture. What you do find in Scripture is what? Our lives are an open book, one to the other. Now, why don't we do that? Because we're fear, we're fearing judgment. What are they going to think about me? What if they know I'm struggling? Well, now you got a bigger problem because now you're worried about what man thinks rather than who God says you are. Why does man's opinion hold more value for you than what God says? Christ hanging on a cross is not good enough for you? You're worried about what that guy's going to think, what that sister's going to think about you? You see the problem? This is a spiritual problem, guys. We are missing out on something if we are not showing brotherly affection to one another. Compassion, we care for one another. But then he goes on and says what? And brotherly affection, add to that, love. Not only is there this love between us as a body of Christ, as we care for one another, as we pray for one another, but there is this genuine godly love that we show. Notice this is all being built upon that initial salvation that I had, all of these other things ought to be an outworking of that. All of these things ought to be in every believer's life. You know, a lot of times I hear people say in counseling, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I'm just not wired that way. Okay, explain. Well, you know, know, I'm just not that lovey-dovey type. I don't see lovey-dovey anywhere in Scripture. It says love. What are they saying? They're saying, well, you know, I just, I don't show my emotions. I don't show my feelings. I just keep things in, and I, I, I just, that's just the way I am. I don't feel I need to change. Okay. God has given us all a unique temperament. Absolutely. Some people are more passionate than others. Some people are more quiet. Some people are an extrovert. Some people are an introvert. I totally get that. God made you that way. You're not flawed. That's the way God gave you, your personality, right? But regardless of your personality, these qualifications ought to be in everybody's life. So I'm just, I'm just not somebody who opens up. Okay, so how do you fulfill the mandate in Scripture to love one another and you're a quiet person? You don't just say, well, I'm just a quiet person, so I'm just not going to open up. No, no. It's going to take you what? you got to step out of your comfort zone. you got to step out of your comfort zone because that's not the way you're wired. I, I understand that. But again... Go back to what Cheryl said. We don't walk according to our feelings. So if I'm a very private person and I don't like opening up, but God is saying part of the outworking of my my salvation, part of that outworking of it is that he wants me to live this way, I got to step out of that comfort zone and I got to begin to encourage and love on people. And you know what that's going to cause you to do? Be sacrificial. 
That's the way God designed it, right? Loving people, despite the way you're wired, takes sacrifice. Um, what did Christ do on the cross? Sacrifice himself for your sin? And now we can't sacrifice our temperaments for the sake of loving one another? Come on. It's not complicated. It's very hard to do. Look what he says in verse 8 as we get ready to wrap up here. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. It's not a one and done thing, guys. It's hallelujah. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. If my life is not exhibiting these things, then my life is going to be ineffective and unfruitful when it comes to demonstrating the power of Christ in my life. People aren't going to see. Why? Because I'm not adding these I don't know about you guys, but I want to know that every day I'm living my life in a way where God says, yes, (laughs) yes. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. But 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 the whole motivation, there is this striving to live in a way that honors Jesus Christ, that pleases him. Why? Because he saved me. It's just the right thing to do, right? But it's hard. And if your life, you feel like, man, there's really no fruit in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm really not, I don't even look like a Christian. I don't even sound like a Christian at times. And that's kind of the norm in my life. You got to be honest and ask yourself, are you making effort? <laughs> Maybe you're not being diligent in these things. But you're not going to be able to do these things apart from the body of Christ, apart from time in the word, apart from time in prayer. It's not going to happen, guys. It doesn't happen on an island. Notice what he says here. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Wow. And what's the problem? Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Wow. You see that? If this is not being exhibited in your life, remember he's talking to believers. Let me tell you what's wrong. You forgot the initial verses that you were cleansed. You were washed. The righteousness of Christ is in you. Did you forget what happened on Calvary's cross? To the point where we are nearsighted, to the point where we are blind. The idea here is like we're squinting. You ever squint? Because when the light comes on and it's been dark, you're kind of squinting and you, you, you can't really see, right? You, so, so if these characteristics are not in your life, spiritually speaking, you're squinting to the point where you're blind. And what do we do? We say, I don't understand what's wrong. I don't understand what's wrong. I ain't got no power in my life. I ain't got no, every time my trial comes, it just sucks me right up. I just get booted out of the ring. I don't understand. Are you adding to your faith? Are you renewing your mind in the word? Are you in prayer? 
Are you confessing to one another, praying to you understand? It's not complicated. You can't live the Christian life and grow in our faith without doing these things. So let me encourage you guys. We're going to stop there at verse 9, and by God's grace, we'll continue on through this book as God gives opportunities. But let me, let me encourage you guys. This is not about standing up here and saying, you ought to be, you ought to be. No, no, it's not about that at all. We all want the same thing. I want my life to look more like Jesus Christ. Bottom line. Whether I'm having a good day, a bad day, I want to look like Christ. Why? For your approval? Uh Uh-uh. Because he died for me. He paid for me. I got his righteousness. He gave me his righteousness. So my living for him is not to earn his approval, but it's because I got his approval. I want to live for him. Is that your conviction? Now, if I say that's my conviction, how can you love somebody you don't know? How can you love somebody you don't spend time with? Let me tell you how. Add to your faith. Don't let it stop at God, thank you for your word. I pray for all of us, Lord. This is not a complicated truth, but it is so hard to do in the real world throughout the week. Father, we have so many struggles. We have so many responsibilities, things that we have to do. Lord, would you please grant us your wisdom to navigate through life but not neglect you. To be responsible with the things that we have to do, but not to neglect you. God, give us your power. Help us to make every effort, even this week, to be diligent. We are going to seek your face and your word and time in prayer with you every day that we might know how to navigate through these Our greatest problem has already been taken care of, Lord. Father, we praise you for our salvation through Christ. But now may we live every day that reflects that we know you. (laughs) God, that we truly love you. So, Father, please work these truths in all of our hearts. Show us the practical things we need to do differently this week. Help us to reach out to one another when we are struggling to pray for one another. Give us the courage to reach out. If if we don't even know where to study the word and how to study the word, we can't just let it sit on the shelf, God. Give us the courage to reach out and get help that we might begin to add to our faith and begin to live lives experiencing your grace and peace. So, Father, thank you so much, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for working these truths in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.